Oh, so much is happening. A lot of you know that in the last six months, we have, uh, I I was counting people that have uh, passed away, that we either was part of this church or loved ones of part of this church, like the last one was Robert's mother. And of course we had, uh, it seemed like uh, just just in the last few weeks, month, a good portion of them. Um, last Wednesday was Jill's uh, funeral. And uh, the, the Wednesday before that, or the Tuesday before that, uh, uh, Sue Allen's. And then there's been others that have passed away, and there's going to be uh, memorials for them at, at a later time. And I remember Paul when he had to leave. Paul Butler had to leave in the middle of the service because he found out his brother passed away in Binghamton. That was like three Sundays ago. <laughs> that's uh, that's a struggle, especially this time of the year when someone you love. Um, dies when Christmas time comes. It, it just it, you don't remember Christmas. You remember that, and so you need to hold them up in prayer and love. Uh, Clark, Jill's husband, uh, and the McCracken family. Um, I would call uh, Jill. I was tried to call her at least once a week and sometimes more and sometimes not. But uh, it was always uplifting, more uplifting, I think, for me than it was for her. She just was such a uh, upbeat kind of person. Um, shortly before that, a month before that or a couple of, a couple of months before that, we had Lance Harrison's in August. Lance Harrison's wife died, and, and then uh, Lois Judd passed away. And Lois was very close to our family when we first moved here uh, 42 years ago. And so, um, I, I, Steve is her son. Steve was a fireman here for some days. And um, I told Steve, I said, you know, uh, there are times during, since Lois passed away that I would be walking through the house and say to myself, well, I think I'll give Lois a call. And then realize that, you know, she's not around to call. Uh, She had the most wonderful answering machine message. Uh, Sometimes I would call her and say, would you please hang up? And let me call again and not answer the phone. I want to listen to your answering machine, and then I'll call you back. <laughs> or sometimes I would just get her answering machine when she wasn't there, and then call her back a couple of times just to listen to it. And uh, it was so the last thing she would say. And, uh, and so, would you just please be sweet and talk after the beep? You know? And she said she loved the Lord, and it was just a sweet time. Um, 
it's it's rough. It's it's rough. And then uh, Robert's mother just passed away uh, after uh, Jill's funeral. And um, and then Vera's at the hospital now. If you don't know Vera and Robert, uh, Vera's been coming here a very very long time, and um, they bring me communion. You might have noticed that they bring me communion after the the service at the end of the service, and um, I really love that and enjoy it. I didn't ask for it; that was something they wanted to do, and so it's become a kind of a tradition. So I'm trying to figure out a way to take it to them over at the hospital because she's been rushed to the hospital. And uh, uh, maybe just bread or something to break bread with them uh, as soon as the meeting is over. I got a short message. We have a Christmas program tonight, so I'm sure you would love a short message, wouldn't you? Wow. Can I get an old me if I can't get an amen? <laughs> no, that's not an old me type of statement. Yeah. I know some people that would be shouting amen right now when I said short. But um, I know Frankie said at the funeral something that he probably heard from me that the one time in church the pastor comes in, takes off his watch and puts it on the pulpit. And... Uh, Little boy says, Dad, what does that mean? He says, Nothing. And everybody knows about the notes that the pastors pass, wives pass them, kiss. You know, everybody thinks, Oh, that's so sweet. Means keep it short, stupid. (laughs) Jackie's never done that, so just don't get the wrong impression. That's just a story I've heard. You know, some people say keep it simple, stupid. (laughs) That's not a nice word, is it? (laughs) It's one of those words I'll have to repent of later. Uh, So that was interesting. I have never, ever heard a message preached on Acts 3.19. Never. Now, it's not that it's a a great verse to, to, to preach on. It is. I'm just surprised. I've never heard one preached. I've never preached on Acts 3.19. And then we hear a, a, a message on it Wednesday night, and then George goes home and he turns on the television at some point, and after that, and there's guys preaching on Acts 3.19. Kind of makes you, kind of confirms things, doesn't it? Amen? Well, I don't even know if we're going to need the uh, Well, be ready to put up Zechariah 9.9. Now, I'm not, I I said something, you know, a lot of times that I say things and my wife realizes that it could have been misunderstood or hurtful or something like that. And I didn't mean it that way. And I said something a couple of weeks ago and a couple of Sundays ago. And... I didn't at all mean it the way that my wife thought it was said. And I was talking about Advent. And I said, I don't know much about Advents. Um, we do it every year. I'm happy. I think it's great, great. I pr- 
probably should know a whole lot more about it than I do, although I did Google it and find out some things, and there's more things about Advent than I, <laughs> I want to study. But I'll tell you, we, I was thinking of, of, of maybe Chris sharing sometime, maybe next Sunday, what Advent is all about. Now, what, what we're talking about this time of the year, Advent, is um, the four Sundays before Christmas. And uh, different traditions treat it different way. It's supposed to be on a wreath of uh, the four candles. And some say you're supposed to light uh, four, and they go four, three, two, one. And some say you're supposed to light one, two, three, four. You know, I don't know how long they leave them lit or what, but they are the the point in making is the word Advent comes from a Latin word which means uh, it's very close to Advent. It means coming, just coming. And so when we're talking about Christmas Advent, we're talking about the coming of the Lord. It's funny though that uh, I've been I spend a lot of times in. Matthew 21 and 22, I would ask you to study those scriptures, uh, please. And in Matthew 21, it begins with uh, Jesus getting ready to come into Jerusalem. And he says, go to such and such a place and you will find a donkey there with a colt. And uh, untie the donkey, bring, bring them here. If the person inside says, what are you doing? You just tell them the Lord has need of them. And he says that it might be fulfilled with, by the prophet. And this is in 21 verse 5. By the prophet, Zechariah 9.9. And uh, it's interesting because in my margin of notes that is called Zechariah 9.9 is called the first advent alright now let's put that verse up there so I can show you why this is uh, Zechariah 9.9 rejoice greatly O daughter of Zion shout O daughter of Jerusalem behold thy king comes unto thee he is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. So it's when Jesus comes into and that's coming into it's a week before his crucifixion coming. He's coming into Jerusalem and he's riding there and he, in the margin. It says the first advent. Well, it's the first advent because what would the second advent be? When he comes again. So it's the coming. But it's the tur- a church traditional that started. We can go back uh, and, and look at it. But it's the Advent. So it's referring to his birth at Christmas. But the whole thing, the whole thing up to his crucifixion was his, the first Advent of the Messiah. The first coming of the Messiah. But it starts Christmas. Amen? 
So I didn't, I apologize if I say anything about, bad about the tradition of the four Sundays. Uh, traditions are great. I don't mind them. Uh, I may have sounded like it bothered me, but it only bothered me because I didn't know much about it. Not because it wasn't good. Okay? Thank you. Um, day, uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, there's two interesting things about this in the beginning of his birth that I alone, these two things, would be astonishing. I don't want to put down Islam, but I've actually read about how Muhammad progressed. And in my estimation, there were two major things that happened that would cause that the, his uh, catapulting into the Muslim religion, the, the Islam religion. And the two combined wouldn't, couldn't even begin to amount to just these two things in my mind about Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth was in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the city of David. That's where King David was born. And of course, Jesus is called the son of David in the prophecies. And so Bethlehem was where David was born. He was also anointed by Samuel. You can go to 1 Samuel 16.1 to read the whole event. And so he was born in Bethlehem, raised in Bethlehem, and Samuel anointed him to be king in Bethlehem. Then later on, when he is, uh, has his mighty men, as he's grown up, one of my favorite stories is about Bethlehem. Now he's in the caves. The Philistines garrison was at Bethlehem at that time. And he's sitting around saying, I sure love the water, that sweet water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. And so three of his mighty men of valor said, well, we'll just go get him a drink. And so they go to the well and they have to break through the garrison. Now these three guys, it gives a description of who they were and what they were. And uh, one of them had actually fought off 300 Philistines and killed 300 Philistines with a spear. And um, I mean, these guys were pretty, they followed in the same line as, as David was did. And so um, they broke through the garrison. They get him a drink of water and they bring it back to him. And he was caught by surprise and he does something which if I were one of the guys, I don't know if I would quite appreciate it, but they understood more than we would understand. He actually says, the blood of my men are far more important to me than this, than water. And he pours that out as an offering and a sacrifice to God. 
So it's a beautiful story, and it's a thing. But that that also happened at Bethlehem. But the two things I was talking about that was pretty amazing is that Bethlehem itself is about it's about five and a half to six miles straight south, a little bit west uh, from Jerusalem. And the two major industries there would be the first one would be wheat. Because the name of Bethlehem means city, or excuse me, house of bread. So Jesus was the bread of life, became the bread of life, which takes away the sins of men, which uh, we eat and have life. And then it's the other industry, major industry, is shepherding, sheep. And what's interesting about that, and if you remember, is everything okay? Do we have a, any problems? Everything's okay? Okay. Okie doke. Oh, they need AJ downstairs. Cool. I'd go down myself, and but I don't want to show up AJ about anything. Yeah. So, shepherding, but it wasn't your normal shepherding. I mean, I'm sure they had uh, normal pro- products, but if you read um, this poem, was, Rick Walsh gave me a, this poem that uh, Ruth uh, Graham had written. And it's about uh, the shepherds that were warned of you know, was told by the angels uh, about the Lord is here, you know, the coming of the Lord. That these were no ordinary shepherds because it was by night. By night, it was the boys, the young men, that watched the sheep. And there were a couple of reasons for that. For, for starters, these were no ordinary sheep that they would be watching lambs. Now, I was listening to a Tim Keller message about uh, on uh, Sabbath or, or the um, Passover week. And during the Passover week, they would offer up, I, I honestly can't remember the name, the number, but I think it was something like 240,000 lambs would be slaughtered in a week. I mean, the the, the uh, Passover week. I mean, that's really mo- moving. You know, that's killing a lot of lambs. And these lambs had to be perfect. Not a spot or wrinkle on them. You know, no bruises, no, no thing, nothing wrong with their eyes or their ears. I mean, they had to be as... And then they would be examined. And this is one of those things about Jesus going the week before into the temple and all of these people coming at him, the Pharisees, the priest, the Sadducees, the scribes, the lawyers, all these different people coming at him. They didn't know it, but they were examining the Lamb of God, which was going to be spotless without any uh, harm or maim. And so these shepherds, these young boys, would be watching these lambs. 
And it was their responsibility to make sure these lambs were kept perfect. And then they get warned about the coming of the Messiah in, in Bethlehem. And it was like the Lamb of God. Now, David was a shepherd. He would have been one of those boys. He was often the youngest one. So he would have been one of those boys that would watch the sheep by night. Uh, because his other brothers would, you know, they, they, they not only used these young boys because they were, uh, you know, the others didn't want to do the job, but, you know, they're, they're young, they're, they're fast, they can keep sheep out of trouble. And so, these shepherds that are bringing up these lambs to be taken to Jerusalem and slaughtered, for sacrifices are now going to see the one true Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. So you have just these two things. Bethlehem is the house of bread, and Jesus is the bread of life. And then these lambs, their second industry, or maybe even their first industry, is shepherding sheep. And... uh, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Just that alone would be totally enough for me to, to convince me. I, I'm kind of an easy sell when it comes in after I, after I got saved. Before I got saved, it was different. <laughs> but um, I found a new thing I can do with my Siri uh, I, am I saying it right? Series, series, Siri. Okay, Siri. And uh, I, I don't think she likes my southern accent because she doesn't always understand me well. Or you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. I accidentally turned her on. Was trying to shut her up one time, one Sunday. Remember, I'm like, <laughs> so. Uh, and I and I didn't I didn't even think to ask her until recently. And I said, I found out I was born March sixteenth, nineteen forty seven, on a Sunday. You know, I mean that doesn't make any big deal, but I never knew what day I was born on. And so, uh, nineteen seventy five, it would be forty three years ago on Sunday that would have been on a Thursday 1975 so on the 21st was a Sunday that was the last Sunday before Christmas you follow that line of thinking and so Sunday morning December 21st 1975 I remember where I was in church because Jackie and I uh, had just been married and uh, we came out here on our honeymoon and then went back to California. And on the Sunday before Christmas, <laughs> well, that was even funnier. Somebody with yarning ball rolled across the aisle. So somebody threw it back and it hit her in the face. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> so Jackie and I, on that day, went to Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California, which has been about oh, 60 miles from where we were in, in uh, Riverside. And we went to hear Chuck Smith preach a message that he became quite, uh, well, I don't know, famous for. He was already famous in church circles, but uh, requested. I know because I requested the tape sometime later and loaned it somebody. And there's Steve Tushy once said, there are, there are brethren and sisters out there that would die for me and steal my tapes. And every one of us have loaned something out and not got it back, you know. And that's what happened with this tape. And it is, I cut it real short. It's real simple. There were, uh, and don't get me on the numbers, please. I tried, I tried to find it. I went through hundreds and hundreds of t- titles looking for it. <coughs> I'm thinking that he said something about 140-something prophecies was fulfilled at the birth of Jesus Christ. At the birth not throughout his life, but at the birth. 140-something prophecies. And so he says, rather than go through all of them, I'll just start off by going through one at a time and do the first 12. And so he did this, and he did it with a computer. And uh, the computer was like, what would the odds be, all right, if this were true and that person being brought up was regarded by the world as being the Messiah in general. You know, we say 2000, year 2018 AD after the death of, of Christ. See, we, we, our whole time, time is scheduled by Christ. What would be the odds be of this person end up being regarded by uh, millions of people as the Christ, as the Messiah, and it not be him? You know, what would the odds be? So they did one at a time, and they took the computer, and they took the first one out. He was born in Bethlehem. That's one of the things. That was a prophecy fulfilled. And he gave an illustration with one, uh, each one, to be an illustration of like one in such and such a number. And then he gave a, 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 a metaphor or a parable to show what that was, you know. Uh, so I do not remember the sermon, but I do remember the last one, number 12. Number 12 was... If you had a ball made up of the smallest thing at that time known to man was an electron. So if you, if you had a ball made up of nothing but electrons and you, the size of the universe, the known universe, big ball, and you painted one of those electrons and you 
threw it out there and let it swim for a couple of light years. And then you jumped out there and swam for a couple of light years. And you reached out and grabbed an electron and you just happened to come up with that one. That are the, that's the odds of the first 12. A guy being fulfilling the first 12 and then end up being regarded as by millions of people as the Savior. I mean, it's just like, that was the first 12. That wasn't, it's, it's, it's virtually impossible that all the scriptures that were filled in Christ. And uh, I didn't have to be convinced then, but it sure was. Being a gambler, you know, if I sit down at the table and the guy shuffles the deck and there's four players playing and everybody gets a royal flush on the first deal, you're going to have to be mighty gullible to not think something's up. And that's way beyond that. The, the odds of that happening where you sit down and four people is like minuscule compared to the odds of Jesus being not who he said he was. Most of you know who Bono of you too is uh, testimony of Bono. He was being interviewed and he says, do you believe in Jesus? He says, absolutely. He says, do you believe you're the son of God? Absolutely. Do you pray to him? Absolutely. I pray to the father in his name and I pray to him every night with my family. And he said, why do you believe in Jesus? I said, well, I have to believe either he was the Messiah, he was the, the son of God, or he's the biggest liar on the face of the earth. He says, I, I don't believe he was a liar. Hallelujah. Please come tonight. Um, I think I'm going to scoot out. As soon as I can, I'd like to get some bread and grape juice to take over to Vera at the hospital and see if I can minister communion to them today. Robert will be there. And I'm a little, we prayed for her, we anointed her with oil. Uh, did, you, did you raise your hand, Ed? I thought you, pardon me? You're doing communion. Well, come on up here then. Hallelujah. Sunday night, last Sunday night, Amy preached in church. Come on up. Amy preached in uh, church here at Anchor. And she said something that was interesting about Oh Holy Night. That was the first radio message that was sent out over the air was the Oh Holy Night being played on the radio. First one. And uh, it was a song that was sung 1914 when the French were fighting and the Germans in the trenches. And one Frenchman, it was Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day came, and one Frenchman threw down his weapon, got out of the trenches and started singing. And the next thing you know, that according to something that I had heard, 
over 100,000 French and German enemies clasp arms and sang Christmas carols. And they declared a, 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 a truce for that time period. And a song that they sang was, O Holy Night. And Amy said that O Holy Night was written, contracted to be written by a Jew, not a Christian Jew, not a Messianic, but a Jew. And then the music was written, was put together by this poem, and it was also not a Christian. So God works through, you know, I was listening to so many tapes by Chuck Smith, which I love. I can get lost into him forever. And, uh, and he was talking about how in the lineage of Jesus Christ, that there were in one, one book, they give the lineage through Joseph, the other one through Mary, from Mary. And, uh, one of them is, is like, talks about have four women that it specifies in there instead of the men. And three of those women were really, you know, not quite, quite, quite there yet. I mean, they were not considered to be, uh, uh, the most holy of women. And so, uh, amen. God uses people. Amen. amen. So I'm going to scoot out and, uh, I don't know. I was asked Jackie how I could be prepared. I actually had a communion kit at one time. I gave it to somebody as a gift, and I regretted it ever since. No, no, I don't mean that. I I don't regret it. Uh, Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Merry Christmas, Lord. Lord, uh, some say you weren't born on December 25th. It doesn't matter. We're celebrating it. I know you don't care. You, you're, uh, you, you don't mind us celebrating the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, on December 25th. And so we rejoice and we praise you and we worship you and we love you, Lord. And we just commit this day tonight to you the rest of the Christmas season. Lord, may the may we know the reason for the season is that Jesus is the Son of God. And thank you, Lord, for his coming. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.